Welcome to Wisdom and the Word Podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to Tune Up Tuesday here at Wisdom in the Word. We're glad that you're joining us for our study in the book of Hebrews here on Tuesday. On Tune Up Tuesday, we like to give you a spiritual tune-up to get you through your week and be able to give you some Bible study to be able to do, not only to heighten your understanding of the Word of God, but also to help in your obedience. And so we continue on today in Hebrews chapter number 12. Today we're going to read Hebrews 12, beginning in verse number 18, down through verse number 24. The Bible says, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor not unto blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel." Now, as we've read this passage, we know that what's happened here in chapter 12 is that he is continuing his thought of not drawing back from chapter 10. He's giving us examples in chapter 11 of people who didn't draw back, who pushed on by faith. And then in chapter 12, he opens by telling us to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus, uh, to lay aside the weights. But if we refuse to lay aside those weights, there is chastisement, discipline, correction that's coming upon our lives so that God can keep us on the right path. We see that beginning in verse 4 down to verse 11. Then in verse number 12 down through 17, he tells us the effects of uh, a good discipline, of, of God's discipline in our lives, how it should strengthen us and straighten us. And we looked at that. And then one of the last things he deals with in verses 16 and 17, he deals with Esau a profane person who um, made choices that he later on regretted, Um, a person who had to deal with the consequences of the choices that he had made. And so now he's going to focus and begin in verse number 18, and he's going to tell us that we don't have to worry about what Esau worried about. That is, Esau had a worry of of judgment. He had a worry of condemnation. But that's not where we are. Uh, That's not who we are. In fact, uh, after each passage in the book of Hebrews, in the previous warnings, Paul would give us, or the writer of Hebrews would give us a, uh, a, um, um, a warning in chapter 6, verses 4 to 8, and in chapter 10, verses 26 to 31. In both of these, the writer would assure his readers of his confidence in their continued perseverance. That is, if you read the warning sections, immediately following those sections, he's encouraging them about their perseverance. After the warning in chapter 12, verses 14 to 17, which we just received, right? He hurries to assure us that that these readers, unlike Esau, have not come into a state of judgment. So again, he's using the warning of judgment and chastisement to follow that up with a means of encouragement. They, through Christ, they've come into a state of blessing. 
that anticipates their eternal destiny. And that's what he's going to deal with here, beginning in verse 18 down through verse number 24. Now, again, understand that as you read this, this section is very well crafted and it comprises two lengthy sentences and develops an extended contrast between Israel assembled at Mount Sinai to meet God and the new covenant encounter with him that occurs at Mount Zion, which is the city of the living God. And so this section is about contrast. This contrast is governed by the initial verb in verse 18, for ye are not come. That is, ye have not come. Then he's going to say in verse 22, but ye are come. So the contrast between verse 18 and verse 22 is going to be where the comparison is going to be made. And so that's what we're going to talk about here, this comparison, this contrast. And I've entitled this particular section, There's No Comparison. There's no comparison. We've seen comparisons throughout the book of Hebrews, and every time that we've come to a comparison, we've come to the conclusion that Jesus is better. And again, that word appears over and over and over again throughout the book of Hebrews. Now, as we come to this particular section, once again, we're going to arrive at the conclusion at the end of it. Jesus is a better priest. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus is is better than the angels. Jesus is now going to be, Jesus is better than Melchizedek. Jesus is now going to be presented as a better mediator and his covenant, a better covenant. So again, at the end of this, there's no comparison. So let's look at the comparison that's given. And really, I think the focus here is verses 23 and 24. And I don't want to skip over verses 18 to 21, because I think that those are the the, the negative part is given to us in 18 to 21, but the positive part is given to us in verses 22 through 24. That's really where the comparison comparisons are made, verses 22 through 24. Let's look at these comparisons. First off, there's a contrast or a comparison of mounts, of mounts. The first mount that we talk about is, we see it in verse number 18. For you not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burn with fire, nor into blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they heard, uh, they, that they, they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Then, of course, we see in verse 22, but ye are coming to the Mount of Sion unto the city of the living God. So there's a contrast of mounts first. There's Mount Sion. Mount Sion is a reference here to the place when we come to salvation. Um, Zion was the place of the promised land, the place of, of hope, the place of eternal rest. The writer of Hebrews is going to use it in this fashion to be able to contrast with Mount Sinai. So Mount Sinai and Mount Zion are contrasted together. What was Mount Sinai? Mount Sinai was the place where they went for the Old Testament law. It was a place where they went to receive. Moses went up on the mount to receive the Ten Commandments. When he did, there were several things that happened. They weren't allowed to approach the mount. They weren't allowed to touch the mount. There was smoke that circled the mount. The mount burned with fire. It was black. There was darkness. There was tempest. It looked like a storm was brewing outside. Uh, And again, there was voices. They could hear the voices. And they asked uh, Moses to go and commune with God because the voice of God scared them as he communicated with them. And so there's a kind Contrast. But the Mount Mount Zion is different. 
Mount Zion is a is a place of the pleasing word of God, of the invitation of God, of an approachable God, not one that's being put away, one that we can come to him and one where we can commune with him, one where we are not driven out, one of not this being burned with fire or blackness or darkest or darkness or tempest, one where the storm clouds are rolled away and the peace of God begins to move in. There's such a difference between a contrast between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. A second contrast that we see is a contrast of metropolises, a contrast of metropolises. You'll notice in verse number 22, Zion, the reason why Zion is so great is because it contains a city. The Bible says, but ye are coming to Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. And what he's saying here in these verses is that we have been gathered together. Remember, in chapter 11, they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. They were looking for a different city. They were on a sojourn. They weren't looking for a place where they could arrive. They weren't looking for a land. Ultimately, they, their hope was the hope of eternity. Their hope was the hope of promise and of covenant. Their hope was the hope of their God. And of course, we know from reading the scriptures that the Bible teaches us that for those that have, have come to Christ through faith and have come to Mount Zion, we are coming unto the city of the living God. There is coming a day when there's a new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, which will proceed out of the heaven. The Jesus would tell us that there is a mansion, a place prepared for us. Uh, Jesus would tell us he want, goes to prepare a place for us, and he would come again to receive us unto himself. Uh, the Bible describes in Revelation the city coming down as a bride adorned for her husband. The, the picture of Zion is a contrast, the blackness and the darkness and the smoke of what took place there at Sinai, uh, the, the idolatry that took place at the base of that mount. It's completely different. The, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God will be a place of perfect and pure worship of God. It'll be a place of, of, of no idolatry and no sin and no, no heartache and no sorrow. It is a place of joy. There are streets of gold. There's, uh, the gates are fashioned out of solid pearls. When we look at the scripture, we understand that the description of this city is far different than what took place at that mount. So we see that we are, we have a different mount. We see there's a, a different metropolis. And then also we see a contrast or a comparison of multitudes. Notice what he says in verse number 22. And to an innumerable company of angels, he continues this verse 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. The group of people that are going to be assembled in heaven, the multitudes are very different. The multitude that was at the foot of Sinai was a fickle multitude. The multitude at the foot of Sinai was an idolatrous multitude, was a sensual and, and um, carnal multitude. The, the group of people that were at the foot of Sinai were a group of people who uh, were, were fixed, fixated on the past and fixated on going back to Egypt and were not in communion with God. But when we get to this new company, this new multitude that he speaks about here, he says in verse number 22, an innumerable company of angels. We know that the angels gather around the throne of God and they give him worship. We know that we are, we come to, notice he where it says in verse 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Because when we talk about the general assembly and church of the firstborn, uh, all of the saints of God one day will be gathered in heaven. 
One of, uh, one of these days, all those that are in Christ will be gathered together. The assembly of the, the firstborn. Uh, Israel was called the firstborn. The title firstborn was given to the Israelites when God brought them out of Egypt to lead them to Sinai. You can back, go back and read Exodus 4, 22 and 23. Their names were said to be written in a heavenly register in uh, Exodus 32, 32 and 33. And so the typological parallels between Israel at Sinai and believers gathered at heavenly Zion are clear. God is getting ready to lead them out and to deliver them. And again, we have been delivered. And the thought here is that one day we'll be assembled together. This general assembly, this church of the firstborn, of those that have been led out of sinful captivity. Notice he says, which are written in heaven. Part of the new covenant was that these God would not write on stone, but on fleshy tables of the heart. And we know that our names are written in heaven. Uh, we have been given new names. The Bible says, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. That is, we come into the very presence of God himself, God the judge, God the one who is equitable and the one who is right. And the Bible says, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, we will be gathered together with the spirits of those who have been made perfect, that have been blood-bought and washed and redeemed, assembled together. This is, a, is the picture, the contrast between the multitude, that fickle multitude that gathered there at Sinai versus is the one that we will be gathered together with at Sion. Then he tells us in verse number 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We see, fourthly, a contrast of mediators, a contrast of mediators. Notice he says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Now, remember, we've talked about the mediator before, Moses as a mediator, and the difference. He's going back earlier on in the book when he contrasted Christ and Moses. And there is a huge difference between Moses, who was the mediator, and Jesus, the mediator. Jesus as the mediator, he's eternal. He's the son. He's the inheritor. He's the one that has come. Uh, he's got a future city, not just a land that he's looking for. The difference between uh, Moses and Abraham, the difference between the mediators, uh, Moses would mediate for the people. Moses would pray for the people. Moses would ask God not to destroy the people. But only Christ can provide permanent coverage for that sin. Only Christ could provide through his sacrifice, through his blood, the perfect coverage for, for that. The people, children of Israel were in jeopardy every time they sinned. But, but those of us who have come to Mount Zion, we are no longer in jeopardy when we sin because our sin is covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he deals with these difference between a contrast, this a comparison between mediators. And again, there's no comparison. And then the last comparison that we see here in this passage, he says in verse number um, 24, he says, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. That is, there's a contrast of messages. Remember the, the blood of Abel spoke out from the ground about, about murder the blood of Abel spoke out from the ground about vengeance, about retribution, about anger, about hatred that took place. But the blood of Jesus Christ speaks of love. It speaks of forgiveness. It speaks of communion, of God joining us back together, not of division like Abel's blood spoke of. And so when you think of the, the blood, the differences between the message, the message of Sinai versus the message of the cross, the message of Abel versus the message of Calvary, it's, it's so clear to, to note that there is no comparison. 
he would say to us in verse number 20, for they, that is the people that were gathered there, could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched them out, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Even Moses was fearful at that time. But now we can enter boldly into the throne of grace. Now we can come through a new and living way. Now we can come and we can compare and we can know that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So there is a comparison of mounts. There's a comparison of metropolis. There's a comparison of multitudes. There's a comparison of mediators. And there's a comparison of messages. And I say to you in this little short time that we have today, there is no comparison. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us for Wisdom and the Word today for this Tune-Up Tuesday. We hope that the rest of your day is blessed, and uh, we hope that you'll join us on Thursday. If you have additional questions to add to our Thursday, we hope that you'll email us at podcast.watw at gmail.com, podcast.watw at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you on Thursday when we answer your questions from the Word of God. Thank you for joining us today at Wisdom and the Word. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.